Pushkin. Chase for Business and iHeart bring you a new podcast series called The Unshakables. This one-of-a-kind series will shine the spotlight on small business owners like you, who faced a do-or-die moment that ultimately made their business what it is today. Learn more at chase.com slash business slash podcast. Chase, make more of what's yours. Chase mobile app is available for select mobile devices. Message and data rates may apply. J.P. Morgan Chase and a member FDIC 2024 J.P. Morgan Chase and Co. The most innovative companies are going further with T-Mobile for Business. The PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with AI coaching tools and 5G-connected cameras. AAA is getting more drivers back on the road fast with location telematics. And the Las Vegas Grand Prix is powering race day operations with 5G connectivity, giving fans an experience at the speed they deserve. This is accelerating innovation with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at tmobile.com slash now. I'm Matthew Campbell, and I co-authored The Fuji, The Fugitive, and The FBI for Bloomberg Business Week, and it is the story of the week. In 1996, the Fugees were the biggest act in hip-hop by far. A year later, they broke up. And since then, things have not gone all that well for the three members of the band. Wyclef Jean was investigated by the Attorney General of New York for taking half the money his charity raised for earthquake relief in Haiti. Lauren Hill spent three months in prison for failing to pay her taxes. But all of that is nothing compared to what's going on with the third member of the Fugees, Praz. Writing is hard. Who's got that kind of time when you're already busy trying to be Joe Stein? So he turns on a mic, maybe twiddles a knob, calls a journalist friend who's got an actual job. Auditory, single story, just listen to smart people. Speak. Conversation filled with information is the story of the week. Pras Michel, the least famous member of the Fugees, has effectively blown up his entire life by cosplaying as a diplomat with a Malaysian billionaire. It sounds like I just filled out a Mad Lib. Praz got tangled up with Jolo, who at one time perhaps had more liquid cash than anyone in the world. The two of them traveled around the globe, making deals with foreign governments and running from the law. It sounds like an absurdist buddy comedy. And it would almost be funny if it wasn't for the very real and potentially very long prison sentence looming over him. Matthew Campbell untangled the baffling story of Pras Michel's downfall. Matthew, this might be the most complicated, uh, crazy story we've done on this podcast. So uh, settle in for the next seven hours of interviewing. That'll just about cover it, seven hours, I think. And like all great stories of international political corruption, this one starts with a meet cute. How exactly did the rapper Pras meet a Malaysian businessman named Joe Lowe? The origins of this go all the way back to 2006, when Joe Lowe, this Malaysian financier who would later become very famous, was kind of a budding 
entrepreneur. And he was beginning to emerge on kind of the global party circuit, turning up in nightclubs all over the world. And one of those nightclubs was a place in the meatpacking district in New York, where he met Pras Michel. Pras is the one of the members, one of the three members with Lauren Hill and Wyclef Jean of the Fugees, who everybody knows, of course. He's kind of the one we forget, though, right? Yeah, yeah, he is. Yeah. He had less of a solo career than the other two. Uh, he had one hit, which was... He had Ghetto Superstar. Ghetto Superstar, exactly. Yeah. So he's in this club. Actually, a promoter had asked him to come to the club to meet Jolo because Jolo liked to hang out with celebrities. This is, you know, the pre-financial crisis salad days of New York. There's a lot of money flying around. And some Wall Street guys, sort of finance bros, pay the club to get on the mic and say, we're the richest people in the room. We're going to buy everybody a drink. They sound like really cool dudes. Um, <laughs> and Joe Lowe, uh, not to be outdone, then pays the club even more to get on the mic. And he says, I don't know who's the richest in the room, but I'm going to buy every bottle in the club tonight. And I want the staff to go across the street and get all the bottles from that club too, so that I can buy them. And it's all on me. That's how Praz Michel gets to know Joe Lowe the first time. So Praz, in addition to being a member of the Fugees, is a player in political circles, right? Which is, is sort of surprising. I mean, that, that's kind of what he's done since Ghetto Superstar. So after the Fugees are done, uh, Praz does a range of kind of odd side projects. And a lot of them have to do with politics, with social justice issues. He posed as a homeless person uh, and lived on Skid Row in LA for a week uh, for a documentary. For another one, he went to Somalia to report on piracy. He did a kind of Rodman-esque North Korea trip. Oh, He was kind of hooked into different topics than your average, you know, ex-90s rapper. And he was also really interested in politics and, and particularly in Barack Obama. He bundled a lot of money for Obama, right? He became a significant donor, not so much in the 2008 election, but more in 2012. Pras also lives pretty large, right? Yes, absolutely. You know, the Fugees were, had a very successful catalog, but he also had a very expensive lifestyle. He had things like a $30,000 a month apartment uh, in New York right. and... As we report in the story, his financial advisor was uh, admonishing him to spend less. And a, a Lamborghini and yeah. Yeah. Praz's lawyer, David Kenner, says Praz was never hard for cash. But whether that's true or not, he, he definitely had a very expensive lifestyle to fund. And Jolo, who grew up in Malaysia, rich, went to high school in London, went to UPenn for undergrad. Um, and then he winds up running this fund for the Malaysian government. What was that? 1MDB was meant to be a strategic investment fund for the Malaysian government. And, and Joe Lowe, who was a kind of budding financier, was the key actor in getting this thing set up. And this was a period when sovereign wealth funds were all the rage. The idea that a government will create a commercial investment corporation, essentially, to make big ticket deals on behalf of its citizens. So that was the pitch of 1MDB. And Jolo's pretty young to be running this thing now. Extremely young. Yeah. Yeah. Extremely young. But he's he's making enough money on this thing 
where he's just throwing money out, like at the club, like he gave Kim Kardashian a Ferrari. He dated Miranda Kerr, the supermodel, and gave her like, you said, $8 million in jewelry. And he really buddied up with Leonardo DiCaprio, right? So starting in about 2009, 2010, Joe Lowe became ubiquitous on the A-list social circuit. Turns out when you start spending incredible amounts of money all over the world, uh, lots of celebrities want to be close to you. And that is indeed what happened. What's Joe Lowe like? Is he like a Wall Street bro? What is his vibe? I've never met him, so I can't really comment on his personality, but he's kind of an unlikely figure. He's from Penang, which is a small city in Malaysia. Like he's not even from Kuala Lumpur, the capital. He is sort of baby-faced and pudgy. I've certainly heard people say he's a bit awkward socially. Like he's not what you would expect of someone who was hanging out, as you say, with Leonardo DiCaprio. You know, nonetheless, he did have all of these relationships and they lasted quite a long time. And Praz, who's become a bundler for Obama's 2012 campaign, gets Jolo to donate, which is blatantly illegal. I mean, this is this is beyond Russian meddling. This is you're not allowed as a foreigner to donate to an American political campaign, right? So this is what prosecutors allege. And I should stress it hasn't been proven in court process going on trial at the end of March. And this will all be hashed out. We do podcast justice here. We don't need yeah. to. <laughs> Indeed. So what the allegation is, and this is just part of the 10 count federal indictment Pros is facing. There are a lot of things you can get away with in American election financing. One a of lot. the things you are really not supposed to do, and that is very, very illegal, uh, is for foreign nationals who are not U.S. permanent residents, so, so most foreign nationals, to donate to political campaigns. So any campaign is not going to take your money if they know that you are a foreign citizen. What Pras is accused of having done is essentially serving as a middleman between Joe Lowe and the Obama campaign. So according to the DOJ, uh, Lowe sent Praz about $21 million. Praz then turned around and took a portion of that, about $2 million, and donated it to the Obama campaign, both in his own name and through what are called straw donors, who are sort of a middleman for a middleman. So he laundered the $2 million. That would be one term for it. That in terms of the origins of the donations, yeah. no one would have known these came from Joe Lowe. That, that is the allegation anyway. But our listeners are also very good at math, and they're probably noticing there's $19 million missing. Uh, indeed, there are. And we don't know what happened to that money. But it's certainly a very interesting question. Yeah. Why is Praz doing this? Well, look, I think the simple reason Praz is doing this is any interaction with Joe Lowe, and Praz was certainly not the only celebrity to learn this, could throw off incredible amounts of cash. Mm. Joe Lowe appears to have had access to more liquid cash than anybody else in the world what? in this period. And we can why? talk about why. Yeah. <laughs> well, why? the why is that according to the DOJ and, and prosecutors in Malaysia and investigators all over the world, 1MDB was a scam. This fund raised billions of dollars from the bond markets and other sources, a lot of it with the help of, of a little bank called Goldman Sachs. And much of that money was diverted to Joe Lowe and his associates. 
And that gave them access to hundreds and hundreds of millions, if not billions of dollars. And when I say had, had access to more liquid cash, if you're Jeff Bezos or Elon Musk, your wealth is in stock and your cash is, you know, whatever salary you're paid and then whatever you borrow against that stock. Joe Lowe, on the other hand, this was liquid greenbacks and he was willing to spend it all over the world and, and on all his friends. So hanging out with him, doing favors for him was very lucrative. And this is the Malaysian people's money, right? Yeah. The most accurate way to say it would be it, it's money that was supposed to be invested on behalf of the Malaysian people. It had been raised from the bond markets and other sources to fund investments that were supposed to benefit Malaysia. Right. And those investments probably aren't, you know, jewelry for Miranda Kerr. This had huge implications in Malaysia. I mean, it did incredible damage to that country, right? This is a huge thing in Malaysia, absolutely. And actually the former Malaysian prime minister, Najib Razak, who kind of presided over the creation of 1MDB, is currently serving a 12-year jail sentence in connection to the whole situation. Now, this was seismic. You know, so if we fast forward a little bit, when the US government started seizing assets connected to 1MDB, it was totally nuts what had been accumulated with this money. It was real estate, a Bombardier jet, L'Hermitage Hotel in LA, you know, all kinds of very glitzy stuff, art, you know, Monet, Picasso, that sort of thing. So Jolo is in trouble. People have figured out that the, the scam's been going on and the jig is up. Starting in 2015, the FBI and DOJ opened an investigation. And that is where things begin to change for Joe Lowe and, and ultimately for Praz Michel. And so Praz is in Saint-Tropez, as Praz does. And he runs into, is this random, Lowe's brother, Shen? That's right. Summer of 2016, Praz runs into Joe Lowe's brother, Shen Lowe. Just randomly. This is just another meet cute. Yeah. I mean, it's not so random when you're in that. If you are a kind of big spending global celebrity, Saint-Tropez in August is where you run into people. So they run into each other. Joe Lowe and Praz had been friends for a while at this point. Uh, Sen Lowe connects Praz to Joe, who talks about his issues with the DOJ and complains that this is all bullshit, basically, that he's done nothing wrong and, and he needs to resolve his legal situation. And he asks Praz, his good friend, who, as Joe Lowe knew, had some political connections, if he knew anybody who could help. And if you're Praz at this point, even if you really like your buddy Joe Lowe, you run, right? If someone asks you to help them when they're in enormous trouble for embezzling more liquid cash than anyone has on the planet, you don't get involved. Well, uh, he did. And it's probably speculation to talk about his reasons, but the context is they were friends. Uh, as far as he knew, Joe Lowe was a good guy who Praz had had a lot of fun with over the years. He thought he was a great businessman and he wanted Good to guy is the phrase that gets you in trouble over and over again in life, right? Indeed. He's a good yeah. guy. Indeed. Yeah. Yeah. That's always a red flag. <laughs> and look, the other thing is interactions with Joe Lowe, as I said earlier, could be very lucrative for everyone involved. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so he's going to try and help him with his situation with the investigation in the US. But then, of course, Donald Trump wins. And Praz is basically useless, right? He has no connections to the, the Republicans. That's right. Praz is, he's an Obama guy. His connections are not to Republicans. And come January 2017, that's what you need because the Trump administration is taking over. So what Praz does is he reaches out to a friend. So Praz doesn't just give up? No, 
No, he has, a, he has another idea, uh, which is he knows a woman named Nikki Lum Davis, who is a TV producer, among other things, from Hawaii. So her former husband was a guy called Joe Shapira, who was the co-founder of J-Date, which you know, is a very successful product. J-Date is, as a Jew, I can explain it. It's um, yeah. a way for Jewish people to go on dates with to, other Jewish people yeah. or people who love Jews. <laughs> Indeed, yeah. And is she Jewish, Nikki Lum Davis? Well, she converts. She marries Joe Shapira, who's Israeli. She converts. She becomes very hawkishly pro-Israel. And she gets a lot of connections with Republicans. And, and Proz knows her because her parents were big Democratic donors? Or why does Proz know her? No, he just knows her socially, although her parents were Democratic donors. And that's like a book in itself. Her parents uh, went to jail. Yeah. Uh, in the 90s over um, illegal fundraising for the Clinton campaign. Oh, well, after going through that with your parents, certainly you're not going to get involved in that yourself. You would think not. And yet here we are. So Proz calls Nikki Lum Davis because she's got connections to the GOP that he can use potentially to help Joe Lowe. Exactly. So he asks Nikki Lum Davis for advice. You know, do you know anyone who could help yep. with this kind of thing? And it turns out she does. And the person she does know is named Elliot Broidy, uh, who is a name that may be familiar to some of your listeners. He's come up a lot in the last few years. And he is a big Republican fundraiser in L.A., Broidy, for a fee, thinks he might be able to help Joe Lowe out. But Proz does this thing where he doesn't want to get cut out of any of these deals. So any information or money that's going to go to this woman or to Broidy has to go through him, right? Right. So what's going on here is, you know, according to the DOJ and according to the charges against Proz is this was a lobbying effort, that the idea here was that Broidy and, and Lum Davis were going to lobby the Trump administration on Joe Lowe's behalf. Uh, Proz's lawyers say, actually, Proz mistakenly thought that Broidy was an attorney and this was just about legal representation. And that's what Proz was looking for. Probably the reason they were concerned about that is there's a legal distinction between lobbying and legal representation, and you have to register as a lobbyist. Is this guy a registered lobbyist? Uh, in this case, he did not register. No. The U.S. has this legislation called FARA, uh, Foreign Agents Registration Act. And basically what FARA says is if you are lobbying, i.e., you know, trying to get politicians to uh, do the bidding of a foreign government or, or actually any foreign client, you know, it can be a private company too. You have to register with the DOJ at the start of this work. Uh, you have to tell them what you're doing. You have to tell them what you're being paid. And you have to file these regular statements summarizing everything you're up to. And if you lobby for a foreign client and do not register under FARA, you are in very deep trouble. Nobody ever registered in this group as a lobbyist for Joe Lowe. And that's at the core of these charges. Okay. So Brody's going to get paid by Joe Lowe, but it's going to go through Proz, who's going to take a taste, if you will, of this. So the structure that Proz proposes, and Nikki Lum Davis would later tell the FBI this was because he didn't want to be cut out, was a kind of chain where Joe Lowe, Joe Lowe's associates would talk to Proz, Proz would talk to Nikki, Nikki would talk to Brody, and the money was supposed to go the same way. You can imagine the idea would have been in this kind of waterfall uh, that everyone at each step 
gets a piece of it. Where is Jolo's money coming from at this point? It's all been seized. The whole thing fell apart, I thought. He'd had a lot of assets seized, and certainly banks would have been very wary of dealing with him by this point. But he obviously had cash or, or access to friends who had cash or funds and assets that had not been discovered by the U.S. government. So he was still able to operate. Proz is in way over his head at this point, right? In retrospect, absolutely. Soon, Jolo will have a completely different favor that he wants Proz's help with. And Jolo is willing to kick in a few tens of millions of dollars for Proz's help. Again, this is Proz, the 1990s rapper. But first, our advertisers are going to try and sell you something that Malaysians can probably no longer afford. Small business owners, this one's for you. Chase for Business and iHeart bring you a new podcast series called The Unshakables. This one-of-a-kind series will shine the spotlight on small business owners like you, who faced a do-or-die moment that ultimately made their business what it is today. Join hosts Ben Walter, CEO of Chase for Business, and Tanya Nebo, a lawyer and business consultant, on these storytelling journeys of trials, tribulations, and triumphs that hinged on a single event, a split-second decision, or even a stroke of luck. Whether the story is about a warehouse going up in flames or a former partner stealing a whole roster of clients, each episode will showcase the grit, determination, and resourcefulness a small business owner needed to turn a pivotal situation into a springboard for success. Listen to The Unshakables now and learn more at chase.com slash business slash podcast. Chase, make more of what's yours. Chase mobile app is available for select mobile devices. Message and data rates may apply. J.P. Morgan Chase Bank, N.A. member, FDIC, copyright 2024. J.P. Morgan, Chase & Co. The most innovative companies are going further with T-Mobile for Business. The PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with AI coaching tools and 5G-connected cameras. AAA is getting more drivers back on the road fast with location telematics. And the Las Vegas Grand Prix is powering race day operations with 5G connectivity, giving fans an experience at the speed they deserve. This is Accelerating Innovation with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at tmobile.com slash now. Okay, so Kroz and his new posse of Republican friends fly out to Thailand to go meet with Lowe to talk to him about what they can do with the Trump administration to get at least the American part of the people that are after him off his back. But when they meet with Lowe, he suddenly wants help with a completely different issue than one MDB. And this is where the story gets kind of head spinning. Um, yeah, go slow. So as you say, Praz, Nikki Lum Davis, and Elliot Broidy fly out to Bangkok. Joe Lowe, for obvious reasons, is in no hurry to spend any time in the US at this point. Because he'll be arrested if he shows up here, right? Indeed. So he says, come see me in Bangkok. So they do. In this meeting in Bangkok, something totally left field comes up. And that is a Chinese billionaire named Guo Wangwei, who is a very flamboyant real estate developer from Beijing who had left China, moved to New York, and had begun kind of making a nuisance of himself in a very interesting way. 
he, over the last couple of months, this is spring of 2017, had been making really outlandish and very specific claims about corruption in the top leadership of the Communist Party. And I think the specific part is important. He was kind of naming names, naming assets. And, you know, as I know from from covering China over the years, one of the ultimate taboos in China is discussing the financial situation of the top leadership and their family. That is like the ultimate red line. And this for the Chinese was a big problem. Uh, the Chinese at this point claimed Guo was a fugitive, that he was wanted on all kinds of non-political, you know, embezzlement type charges. Guo was always denied that. And they wanted him back. And in this meeting in Bangkok, it is made clear to Praz and Nikki Lum Davis and Elliot Broidy that Joe Lowe would love to have their help in convincing the U.S. government to kick Guo Wenguay out of the country. Send him back to China where he'll be imprisoned or killed where he would disappear yes yeah okay so why would jolo be interested in guo being deported back to china he's got his own problems why would he take on someone else's problems i.e china's problems well that's a very good question thank you you know the context here is interesting and important the reason Joe Lowe doesn't want to go to the U.S. is he knows he might be charged criminally by the U.S. And if that's going to happen, there's only a few places you can go. Russia, China, North Korea. And of those three, uh, China is certainly the most appealing Good choice. option. Yeah. So he had ample reasons to want to please the Chinese government. Okay. But Joe Lowe figures if he can get Guo sent back to China, then he can escape to China and live there as a free man. So now he's got this team, including Praz, working on getting Guo deported back to China, which is their new goal. They have two goals in parallel. One okay. is get the DOJ to back off low, to back off 1MDB. Goal number two, which is going on simultaneously, is get the Trump administration to either extradite Guo, who, remember, has been a charged with various crimes in China at this point, or just cancel his visa, kick him out. Okay, so then they have this meeting in Hong Kong, but when Praz and the his GOP friends show up in Hong Kong, suddenly Lo calls them and says, actually, we're going to meet in Shenzhen, so come over to China, which they can't do because they don't have visas. Yeah, they turn up in Hong Kong. You don't need a visa to go into Hong Kong, no problem. Then Praz gets a call. Actually, the meeting's been moved. We're going to do it on the mainland. And you very much need a visa to go to China as an American citizen. And, you know, Nikki Lum Davis, who had traveled in Asia for a bit, was freaking out, you know, how the hell are we going to get in? But they go to the border and they get waved through, uh, which is amazing. Like magically, like suddenly they don't need visas. Yeah, which certainly suggests that they're dealing with people who have the power to circumvent that kind of thing. And they then go into a hotel in Shenzhen where Joe says, there's someone I want you to meet. And I'm sure at this point, it starts to make sense why they didn't need visas. And the someone that Joe wanted them to meet was Sun Jun, the vice minister of public security of the People's Republic of China, who is not someone you would expect to be in a room with Pras Michel, but here we are. And this guy's a little bit scary, right? This guy's like chain smoking and he's all business. Yeah, he's a, you know, he's a Chinese cop. So yeah, he's a pretty tough guy. And in this meeting, Sun uh, starts talking to his American visitors about Guo Wangui, 
and how much China wanted him back, and also what China was willing to do in return if the Trump administration made sure that Guo sort of fell off a truck and went back to China. And what are they willing to, to give for that? The big thing they're willing to give is to release Americans who were either being held by China or were stuck in China under what are called exit bans. And the way an exit ban works is you visit China and the Chinese government decides that you've done something they don't like, or perhaps someone close to you has done something they don't like. And when you go to the airport to leave, they say, sorry, you're not going anywhere until this thing gets resolved or we get what we want. So the proposal was that some American citizens who'd been in this situation would be returned in exchange for Guo. Okay. So then Praz goes back home to America and then he gets summoned by the Chinese government official who he's met to the Four Seasons in New York City. What is that about? So not long after this, just, just a week or two, Sun Lijun, the Chinese security official, is in D.C. He wants to meet with various people in the Justice Department and Homeland Security to talk, among other things, about Guo. And it turns out Jeff Sessions, the then attorney general, is unable to meet with him. He's traveling and the meeting doesn't happen. So Sun, obviously concerned he's going to go back to China empty-handed, having not gotten this meeting with Jeff Sessions, calls Pras Michel for advice. Uh, as one does. As one does. And the way this is communicated to Pras is interesting. Okay. So he goes to the Four Seasons in Midtown, and the clerk at the front desk hands him a note. And the note says, go out of the hotel, walk twice around the block, make sure you're not being followed. Whoa. So Pras does this goes around the block, comes back to the front desk, and is given a room key. And he goes up to an empty suite where he waits about 25 minutes. And then a Chinese security agent in a suit knocks on the door and gives Pras a second room key and tells him to go up to the penthouse. He walks in, another Chinese security agent takes Pras's phones, places them in a bag, and there's a table and two chairs in the middle of the room. This is where his meeting's going to happen. Is he scared? This sounds scary. I think there was some fear. And, and as we report, you know, he sort of thinks to himself at one point, there's no way they can kill me in the Four Seasons. And so what happens at this meeting? So then Sun Li Jun shows up, the Chinese security official who Pras had met shortly before this. This is the guy from Shenzhen. Exactly. Yeah. And he explains the situation, which is he was in Washington to try and make this deal to get Guo Wangwei back and had not succeeded and didn't know what to do. And it sort of sounds to me like, you know, Sun had instructions like, you know, you better get him back if you know what's good for you and, and was now in a, in a very tough spot. So he asks Pras for advice. What do you think I should do? And remember, I, I know this is, yeah. <laughs> remember in Shenzhen, Sun had talked about these American citizens who were being held in China who China was willing to release if Guo was sent home. And one of them was a pregnant woman. And Pras suggests to Sun, well, why don't you send one of them back? Send her back. Send the pregnant woman back as a sign of good faith. And that'll get the attention. So he's just making stuff up on the fly, Pras. I don't know if he's making stuff up on the fly, okay. but... Um, it's solid advice. It, it is. It, yeah, it's reasonable to say, well, show them that you're serious. 
okay, so he tells him to send back the pregnant woman that maybe that'll help. Like unilaterally, like don't wait for uh, them yeah, to send. Yeah, just do it. Again. And and that'll yeah. get their attention. And so son picks up a phone, call, makes a call, presumably back home. Right there and, in the room. Right there in the room. And he says to Praz, when do you want her back? And Praz, having never done this before, is like, how about tomorrow? And then the answer comes back is, well, no, they don't do weekends. They can't do it on the sure. weekend. This is, a, no, this yeah, is you, over the weekend. Everyone um, takes a break from their hostage negotiation on weekends. Yeah. Spend time with their family. Yeah. So Pras says, okay, how about Monday? How about Tuesday? And that Tuesday, she was back in the U.S. So this worked. Pras freed a pregnant American political prisoner. That is what appears to have happened. Yes. All right. Okay. That's one for Praz. And so after that, Praz is still working on helping Joe Lowe by trying to send Guo back to China. And he figures at some point that he can negotiate, he can get some information from the FBI. So after this pregnant woman is sent home, you would think the Trump administration would take notice and, and maybe this mm. Guo matter would get more attention. That's not what happens. Guo remains, you know, safely in New York. He's not being sent home. So Pras wants to find out what's going on. And he does something very bold. Uh, he reaches out to the FBI and asks for a meeting. And he ends up seeing a group of FBI agents in New York. And in this meeting, and we know this from government documents, he's asking these agents whether Guo has some relationship with the FBI. Are you working with him? Is he a source? Was there something that could explain the US government not wanting to deport him? And the FBI agents assure him that's not the case. But nonetheless, he keeps asking. He asks this again and again. And he then meets a second time with the FBI. Uh -huh. The second meeting, an FBI agent brings a bunch of photos of Chinese officials asking Praz to identify them. And he correctly identifies Sun and Sun's bodyguard. This is a very unusual situation yeah. where someone engaged in, you know, work with a foreign government would themselves come to the FBI out of the blue. That, that does not happen every day. Yeah, it makes things a lot easier for them. <laughs> yes, it does. And he's still doing all this on behalf of Jola. Joe Lowe is the client, yeah. so to speak. Yeah, he is He is directing all this. Praz and Joe are in probably daily contact. And just so I could get it in my head, what are the crimes Praz might have committed thus far? So he's been indicted on 10 charges. Some of them have to do with election finance. So these donations in 2012. There's also a witness tampering charge. And there are various charges related to unregistered lobbying. The FBI has taken $96 million from Praz that they think he's gotten from Joe Lowe, right? That is what has been seized by the DOJ, yes. I mean, and then you figure he spent some of it. I mean, that's a lot of that's a lot of money. This is big. It's a lot of money. And and look, that is sort of a theme with with anything to do with Joe Lowe, is the the numbers kind of get crazy very quickly. And the other people involved in this that we've been talking about, the, his GOP connections. They've pled guilty. Lum Davis was sentenced to two years in prison. Brody got pardoned by Trump. But Praz is the only one who doesn't plead guilty and make a deal, right? 
ultimately, that's right. How long can pros go away for? A very long time. Because these, this is a 10-count indictment, he could beat most of the charges, but if he's convicted on one or two, that could still be a significant prison sentence. So this is the trial of his life. Like decades, or what are we talking about? If he was convicted on a, number, on a lot of these charges, yeah, we would be talking decades. Wow. And Jolo's in China, I'm sure, at the club. He was spotted in 2019 in Shanghai at Disneyland, actually. Oh, um, that's a big step down. That seems lame to be yeah. at Disneyland. Well, hang was... on, hang on. There was another another sighting was at a Victoria's okay. Secret fashion show, which Thank is you. more on brand. Guo Wenjie, is, is he still in America? Where is he? Yeah, he's still in the U.S. He was never sent home. It's not clear what protected him. He's a member of Mar-a-Lago, I think. He is a member of Mar-a-Lago. Yeah, yeah. and there have been some reporting that um, when he was first brought up, Trump said, oh, well, we should send this guy back to China. If they, what, what do we care? And then someone pointed out that he was a member of Mar-a-Lago. <laughs> and <laughs> Trump sort of hesitated because, you know, you don't deport members of Mar-a-Lago, I guess. That's been reported elsewhere. First rule of Mar-a-Lago. Uh, yeah, yeah. You don't exactly. deport anyone while you're president. Yeah. I'm so confused about Praz's motivation besides money and all this. Why he kept going. It, do you think he's dumb? No, I don't think he's dumb. I think he's in many ways a, a sophisticated player, but he got into a situation that was perhaps bigger than he knew. Uh, look, it would be speculation as to what he was thinking, yeah. but it does seem that in a lot of cases like this, it's kind of one thing leads to another. And when you look at it in totality, it seems completely impossible to imagine right. how anyone would get this far, but it may not have felt like that in the moment. It's like William H. Macy in Fargo, where you kind of have this little kidnapping <laughs> plan, and then it kind of goes sideways on you, and you're not sure how to play the next part. Yeah, exactly. Things get out of hand. Look, I think there is an interesting story here about money and what it buys you and what money kind of lubricates. You know, Joe Lowe, this random guy from Malaysia, was able to get access to the absolute top levels of U.S. power, and what it takes is money. Matthew, you wrote The Fuji, The Fugitive, and The FBI for Business Week. Thank you so much for explaining all of this to me. My head hurts. Does your head hurt? <laughs> yeah, it is hard to summarize this. There's no elevator pitch for this story. While we were working on this episode, we played a lot of Praz's one solo hit, Ghetto Superstar, That Is What You Are, featuring Old Dirty Bastard and Maya. You might remember this as a song that is pretty much a Weird Al parody of Islands in the Stream with some rapping in it. But that rapping, in light of what's gone on with Praz, is startling. Here are actual lines from the song. The supreme dream team always coming up with the schemes. My eyes is sore being a senator behind closed doors hitting truth to the seafloor. Black Caesar dating top divas, diplomatic legalese, no time for a visa. Now, there is no way the Justice Department isn't going to play these in court. Next week, I learn about the fight that tore apart by nothing, which seemed like a simple idea to help neighbors share things. But, like everything else on the internet, turned into an ugly political fight. At the end of the show, what's next for Joel Stein? Maybe he'll take a nap or poke around online. 
Our show today was produced by Mola Board and Nisha Venkut. It was edited by Lydia Jean Cott. Our engineer is Amanda K. Wang. And our executive producer is Catherine Girardot. And our theme song was written and performed by Jonathan Colton. And a special thanks to my voice coach, Vicki Merrick, and my consulting producer, Lauren Zelaznik. To find more Pushkin podcasts, listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. I'm Joel Stein, and this is Story of the Week. You know, if you if you do a pacer search on his name, there are a lot of legal cases uh, involving Guo out there. I'm going to pretend I'm the kind of journalist who knows what a pacer search is. Oh. <laughs>